0: Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong, and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network, available now from Dread Val. Finn, a wanted criminal, hides out with an escort named Val, a demon. Val offers to make all of his problems disappear if he follows her rules. She has been expecting him all along, and it won't be easy to escape Val's dungeon. Val is out now everywhere you buy or rent movies, and on Blu-ray November 2nd. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. We are in the middle of a brand new limited series. We are in the midst of Halloween is Cancelled. We are covering five unmade Halloween sequels between last week and the release of Halloween Kills and then subsequently Halloween itself. Today we are covering a fairly interesting Cancelled Halloween film, if I do say so. This is going to be about... Halloween Retribution Halloween Retribution would have been a direct sequel to you guessed it Halloween Resurrection the information from today's episode was provided by of course Wikipedia, HalloweenMovies.com the book Taking Shape 2 by Dustin McNeil and Travis Mullins recommend it and uh, Fangoria their October 2004 release we have a very very special returning guest with us today we have Emily Gagne. Hi, Emily. Can you reintroduce yourself to the Development Hell audience?
1: It's the night that she came home. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um so uh i am a long time uh listener of development hell but i'm also a long time friend of the host uh josh corngut of course we have known each other since we were little kids watching halloween a little too early so oh, way
0: too early way too early. i have yeah. memories of like in your basement midday Us just being absolutely terrified.
1: We watched a lot of scary movies together. It's kind of what bonded us together. If you want to learn more about our relationship, you can listen to our previous episode, which is also about, uh, well, we've done several episodes, I Mm -hmm. suppose. Yes. But we did a specific other Halloween episode.
0: Yes, we covered Halloween 3D, which I'm guessing we would have been covering in this miniseries if we hadn't covered it as the very second episode of Development Hell. Um, Emily, what do you do? Who are you? What's your what's your (laughs) trauma?
1: Yeah, I I do some work for Dread Central. Actually, I do the newsletter for the Harbinger. Please follow it. Please subscribe. I love writing it. The last one I talked about Midnight Mass. I've talked about Elvira, and we just have fun features from the past week. Also, I have a Instagram account called Final Girl Fashion at Final Girl Fashion that you can follow Mm -hmm. like anytime.
0: Yeah, it's killer, killer, killer fashion and, and killer ladies in, in horror movie fashion. What am I saying? I'm going to cut that you out. You got it. <laughs> um, all right, Emily. What is your general relationship with the Halloween franchise?
1: The Halloween franchise is my probably my favorite of the major like slasher franchises, and I have loved it since I was, you know, probably like 10 years old. I don't remember the exact time that I, year that I saw it for the first time, but I remember watching it too young for the first time. Uh, the original and it really made a mark on me and I couldn't watch the rest of it for a f- um, and then I finally did watch it and now it's I would say like it's my absolute favorite movie the original and I like parts of the whole series like not all of it hits for me I Michael Myers is like a scary character to me
0: one
1: because he's got the blackest eyes, the the
0: I mean it's true he does
1: yeah, and I think he doesn't talk and he's just kind of mysterious in that way. Mm-hmm. Love him love a man of mystery. Oh yeah. And he just seems like pure evil. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing that's really motivating him. Like like you know, at least with Freddy Krueger, it's like, oh, he's like kind of wants to take revenge. Uh, it's kind uh, of his thing. He also like He enjoys it, but he's got a personality that makes him feel like a little bit grounded in reality, even though he's supernatural. Mm -hmm. Whereas Michael Myers doesn't have that. He just feels like an evil force. Totally.
0: There's like almost like a Lovecraftian evil blackness that kind of never is described with him. That's great. And when the franchise does try to give a reason for his evil, terrible behavior, it definitely is less frightening and kind of neuters the whole concept.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we we have our feelings about the Rob Zombie Halloween, especially the first Rob Zombie Halloween.
0: We do. And um, we hate them. Sorry, if you like them, <laughs> big deal. Get over it. Although, you know, we were talking about how Michael Myers isn't usually after revenge, which is true. But today in Halloween retribution, everybody's getting their retribution in the end. It's a big theme, I would say. Revenge this time around.
1: It sure is. It sure is. I, I am very excited to talk about this Halloween retribution, to be honest with
0: you. Me too. Were you, before we selected this topic today, were you aware that there was going to be a direct sequel to Resurrection?
1: Like, I feel like you may have mentioned it to me before, but I don't think I, it came across my path. Mm-hmm. But Sounds it like makes me. a lot yeah (laughs) it makes well you know you know the finer details of things sometimes yes um and this is an area of interest for you but Mm -hmm. like it had never come across my path but it like reading about it it makes a lot of sense that they Mm -hmm. were planning another one of
0: course You know, this is the era before reboots, right before the era of remakes and reboots took hold. So I guess they were still trying to figure out, you know, if sequels were still in popular demand or like how would you continue a franchise around this time. We've said it once, we've said it twice, we'll say it many more times. Today's episode is all about Halloween Retribution, the never made sequel to Halloween Resurrection. I think if you agree, maybe we can start off today's conversation Talking a little bit about Halloween Resurrection, the movie that sort of lay the groundwork for what retribution could have been. Can I give you a bit of a seminar on Halloween Resurrection? Do you mind? I
1: would love to hear it.
0: Oh my God, I'm so excited. So Halloween Resurrection was directed by Rick Rosenthal and written by Larry Brandon Sean Hood. It was released July 12th of all days, 2002. It made $38 million against a $15 million budget. Emily, do you know offhand what other Halloween installment director Rick Rosenthal directed? Halloween (gasps) 2. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Yeah. Um, do we, we're going to get into Halloween Resurrection because I forced you to rewatch it for today, but, uh, did you find any hints of Halloween 2 in this? Like, could you tell it was the same director at all? No, no, (laughs) I, I
1: I only knew through the name. Um, (sighs) so, but I I love, we, like, I say we, but it's, it is true. We, we both love the original Halloween 2. Like, we are big stands for it. Yes,
0: giant. All right, so Mm -hmm. how long has it been since you've seen Halloween Resurrection?
1: I'm going to say like a couple of
0: years. Okay, so, so it hasn't been a huge stretch of time for you
1: yeah no, no, no. Um, I feel like I always like every Halloween season watch like a couple of the sequels. Mm-hmm. you know, I usually watch the original again because I just do How could
0: you but not? i
1: but I always like to check in with a sequel, and i I usually watch h two o like like that's my number one of the sequels. Mm-hmm. um, but I sometimes when I'm feeling a little silly, I might go for another sequel and and this is one of the <laughs> sillier sequels I would definitely say,
0: tee hee do you remember the first time you watched it? Do you remember what that experience was like?
1: I was trying to think about it because I I watched it with my partner, Perry. Hello, Perry. Hi, Perry. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, last night, and we were both talking about that, and I think I just watched it in my basement. Like, I didn't go to the theaters to see it. Mm-hmm. I just watched it, like, at home, like, rented it. Oh. And I remember <laughs> liking it, but it being really disappointed by the opening scene
0: Uh, well i cannot wait to get into the opening scene but before we do would you mind if i gave you my little spiel about my origins with halloween resurrection yes so if i recall and i don't recall a lot but if i do recall this may have been one of the very first movies i ever managed to download onto a computer I'm assuming around 2002, 2003. I was very excited about it. I don't know why I wasn't able to just see it normally. For some reason, maybe I didn't care enough or I wasn't allowed. Who knows? But if I remember properly, the version that I downloaded still had the original uh, titles, which I believe was Halloween Homecoming. Does that sound familiar to you?
1: Whoa, yeah. that's cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And actually,
0: the, the title does make more logistical sense, for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Because he's literally coming back to the. the... He's coming
0: home, baby. Yeah. She's, I can't, I don't know anything about the Beatles, but if I did, I would (laughs) sing that intro to She's Coming Home. Do you think this movie is deservedly maligned, Emily Gagne?
1: It's, hmm. Well, I I did enjoy it upon this watch. Do I think it's a great movie? (laughs) The answer is no. But do, (laughs) do I like it? Like, do I enjoy it? For its, like, silly value, do I like watching Busta Rhymes, like, come (laughs) face to face with Michael Myers dressed as Michael Myers? I mean, I do. I do.
0: I would say I do, too. I definitely was on the bandwagon of, of, like, truly maligning this installment probably my whole life until this rewatch. This rewatch today, I was was like, well, this is just genuinely funny, and I believe it's in on the joke to a certain degree. I don't hate the characters in a way that I used to and yeah. i absolutely don't dislike buster rhymes in this at all he's very funny uh yeah. and i do think he's in on the joke what do you think about that
1: yeah i think so i mean like you can't say like trick-or-treat motherfucker without <laughs> like knowing that what you're doing it's you know? silly like, but
0: he's committed
1: he is he's very committed and that's why i'm excited i'm extra excited to talk about uh halloween retribution because he does uh, come back he
0: he does retributes in halloween <laughs> retribution before i get into any more questions about halloween resurrection why don't we take a moment to talk about that intro that teaser
1: yeah so the opening of, of <laughs> halloween resurrection uh sees laurie strode in sort of like a mental hospital mm-hmm. michael comes in and kills he busts.
0: her in the door. It just he literally just like walks through the door, which is very funny to me. Yeah,
1: yeah. The shape, uh, the shape comes in.
0: Yeah, yeah. The shape, shape, ship, shape, ship, 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 shape. shape, shape, shape. <laughs> um yeah. So they get into a battle throughout the hospital. Lori gets some pretty iconic lines in, she's truly acting her butt off. And they do have a pretty beautiful moment on the roof where he does unfortunately stab her in the back. She kisses him and says, see you in hell, Michael. And then she has a pretty iconic slow motion fall sequence. She
1: sure does. I remember
0: thinking that this really just did her wrong. And it does because she doesn't, like, Lori should not be dead. And not like this. In retrospect, now that I'm rewatching it with less judgmental eyes, what do you feel?
1: I mean, like, it's... I always like when a series like kill off a key character like that. Like I usually respect that. Yeah. And I think it's just if I wasn't so connected to H2O that I would probably dismiss this more and be like, it's fine. But I think I love the ending of H2O and this like completely undoes it. So I yeah. feel like that's w- that's where my discomfort is mm-hmm. less in like the writing or even what literally happens. Okay. I just feel like it's, it's h2o was my ending so you know it's doing I mean?
0: h2o dirty more than it's even doing lori dirty i can get behind that
1: yeah yeah that that's my feeling but like i also just have this extra special connection to lori strode that i think makes me extra sensitive to everything her whereas like other final girls i'd kind of be like okay whatever you is know?
0: this franchise extremely respectful to mental health crisis no, no, it's not. Oh, wanna, tell me more.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, number one, I think Doctor Loomis needed some help himself. Oh. Like he had.
0: <laughs> so funny! I actually I just rewatched Halloween Four for this podcast. Oh yeah, he's not doing well in Halloween. No, 4. you know the meme I'm having on, on the internet, which is basically him looking as lunatic unhinged as possible, and it's kind of a slap. yes, yeah. That's from Halloween Four, which I did not realize till recently.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love Doctor Loomis. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, you know, there's also a lot of stuff with, you know, and even in in Halloween Retribution, like there's there's parts with uh, with uh, Smith's Grove, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's kind of also like an easy way out, like mental health and horror is such a easy yes. connection, you like know? cults. Yes, yes, it's an easy way so. out. It
0: just it just explains anything. Peaches Christ was on the podcast, not to name drop or anything. And she had some interesting inf- like feedback on how she hates the Rob Zombie films. And I'm sure you're going to be aware of this take, but I it was fresh to me. But in Rob Zombie's movies, it's doing it with poor people. And that's like even more of a mistaste. Mostly, yep. I, I just, I had Peaches Christ on the podcast.
1: <laughs> well, it's an amazing get. Um... It'll
0: never get better than that. Sorry, Emily. I'm sorry. It's
1: fine. It's fine. It's fine. At least I got here first. Truly,
0: yep. truly, truly. You really yeah. did. Um, All right. What did we feel about protagonist Sarah Moyer in Halloween Resurrection?
1: I feel a little bit neutral.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, it could be worse.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't dislike her, but like, I don't, she's not super memorable. And I think like, it's, I was actually going to bring up that Freddie, who is the character played by Buster Rhymes is a final boy in this I love a final
0: boy, which I don't know why, but I do. Yeah. Well,
1: I, it's it's technically subversive. So Technically,
0: yes it is. Accidentally <laughs> even, one would say.
1: Yeah. They um, actually used the word subversive in the script for Halloween Resurrection, which stop. I was like, I was like, okay.
0: Who says it it's got to be Freddy? Oh wait.
1: No, no, sorry. Oh, and, retribution. Oh, and, retru- and well, retribution that doesn't surprise
0: me as much cuz retribution was pretty like look we'll at there, but I, I I wouldn't say it was a dumb script comparably to Resurrection. Actually, I think it was quite smart. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, I would say Sarah Moyer was definitely kind of boring. I could see how she was a very, like, modern 2002 version of Laurie Strode. A Mm -hmm. very funny opening sequence where she's riding her electric scooter, like, down the university alleyways. (laughs) And it's like, there's this, like, really cool music behind her. And it's like, this is Laurie Strode. Um, So she's kind of embarrassing. But I didn't hate, like, I just, I definitely didn't hate her. I don't think I've really hated a... A protagonist in the series, maybe until Laurie Strode in Rob Zombie.
1: Yeah, I am not a fan of that Laurie Strode. I would at say all. that's
0: the worst thing about that film. Okay, getting into my favorite character of Halloween Resurrection, Mr. Freddy Danger and his small business venture, Danger Entertainment. Hmm. And what are we? Well, how, what are our overall feelings about Freddy Danger and Danger Entertainment?
1: Well, this is a guy that's just trying to make it work. You yes. know, it's clear that he's like needs money, I think, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. he's got some some, you know, debts to repay. Oh, yeah. Is that is
0: that is that specified? I, I may have missed that this time around. I,
1: I believe it's like that he's got some lawsuits and stuff. And so he's trying to do something bold. And his big idea with Dangertainment is to do this sort of live feed mm-hmm. of uh, these people in the Myers house. And uh, you know, like, not a bad idea uh, to be honest. And but he goes into it planning to sort of like basically prank these kids, yes, because he's got a Michael outfit that he's that he does show up in. Um, but the tr- the real trick of it all is that the real Michael is
0: there too. He's there, and he's a lady in wait oh yeah so this little danger michael myers setup does it remind you of a real life reality show that does, does- it rem- yeah by by the name of big brother
1: i was okay i was like i was like is there like a horror reality show <laughs> there i missed was out one on
0: one called um scared famous or something on vh1 maybe that's the wrong oh, name but alaska no. was on it and it was a bunch of like crappy vh1 celebrities in a very similar setup no um it definitely has a big brother feel to it and i'm saying that because i want you to tell everybody what what i what what job i've had in the past
1: yeah josh has worked on big brother canada yeah yeah and honestly
0: it was scarier than this
1: oh it's okay but i like some of the supporting cast in this is is kind of funny also was that Um, brian merriman
0: merriman Merriman?
1: yes it was
0: another final boy for the books
1: Yep, he's in there, and he's from afar. He's, he's on in afar. Park.
0: And yep. that, that subplot was more interesting to me this time around than it ever was before. It's still stupid, mm-hmm. but I kind of liked it. It was It added to the stakes and to the fun.
1: Also, love when I see... Uh, a Pulp Fiction costume that doesn't require blackface.
0: Oh my god, I know. Well, I was like, ugh, Pulp Fiction, 2002. Come on, guys. But yeah, you know what? The fact that it wasn't blackface, it's a win for everyone.
1: That's what I'm saying. But also like some of the people that are in the house, um, Sean Patrick Thomas, who was a big star from Save the Last Dance. Which was before this. Yes. So so I was, I remember being thrilled that he was in it, like back in the day. I'm still surprised
0: that He's in it, and he's not a lead. He's supporting. He's like, he's he's so famous. Oh, we haven't even talked about the other, like, most famous cast member, Mrs. Tyra Banks.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, can't forget it. Um, (laughs) No, this movie has a lot of like reasons to want to watch it.
0: Truly, yeah, thirteen reasons. Maybe I agree with you. I think it's really fun. I think that it. May have been unjustly maligned by, you know, all of us over the years. And I'm wondering if there are some, you know, I don't know, not not amazing reasons for that. you know what I'm sort of hinting towards? Like racism? Yeah, maybe. Because mm-hmm. it's a fairly black film. We have, mul- like, unlike almost any other slashers at the time, we have multiple, like, three or four POC characters in this movie. And they're, like, not just in one scene. Like, they're present. And one of them lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of them is a hero. I, I get that too. But I, I, and I think that some people are making fun of like maybe, mm-hmm. and I like, this is the worst word. I'm not using it in genuineness. I'm using it in like this is how it was it was described, but I know people called this like kind of like the urban Halloween, which is yes. so like gross. Well,
0: I'm sure behind like I feel like the the, the gross suits who were the Weinsteins, let's be honest, at the time. Yeah. Very much did that strategically. I think. Oh yeah. Like it yeah. definitely feels like this was targeted towards a like a, a POC audience. And I think they were dipping their toes into that territory even with the previous with H two O, with hmm. the prominent featuring of LL Cool J.
1: Okay, I love that character, by the way. So. I love him
0: too, and we're going to get into him pretty soon because he mm-hmm. he comes back into the conversation. But overall feelings about Halloween Resurrection in 2021.
1: I think we should resurrect the conversation around <laughs> Halloween Resurrection.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. That's a headline. Okay, Good. write that Good. down. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I was really surprised by how fun and silly this was, and it kind of didn't take itself too seriously. Maybe the worst parts are like the... The blatant Blair Witch Project ripoff, like w- like at least three years too late.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. There is sure. one
0: section where Sarah is like looking at a camera and it's like up her nose, and she's like, "I'm scared." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is not a reference. This is just capitalizing off of a trend." You know what? Uh, if you haven't seen it in a long time, I do recommend checking it out again.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I just rewatched Freddy vs. Jason like last week. Oh. And I feel similar vibes from both of them in that they're just like a good time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But are they perfect? N- no, they're not perfect, but they are fun, you know? I mean,
0: I watch Freddy vs. Jason once a-, a month. And I'm going to yeah. say that movie is a thousand times better. So you're being very disrespectful. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, uh. wow, wow. So that was Halloween Resurrection. Uh, The basis, the foundation, as Kate Nash would say, for the Never Made Halloween Retribution, which I think we're ready to get into. How do you feel?
1: Yes, I'm ready.
0: You're ready? Can I give you a little bit of information about this movie that never got made?
1: Please teach me, Carrie Tate.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) I will. So Halloween Retribution, as I just said five times, was going to be the direct sequel to Halloween Resurrection around 2004. Development began on a sequel to Halloween Resurrection, and one of the very first writers considered was Mr. Joe Harris. Emily, do you know what Joe Harris is famous for writing?
1: I do. Uh, It's Darkness Falls. Gotta love
0: Darkness Falls. Anyone that knows me knows I have a thing, a soft spot in my heart for Darkness Falls and Emma Caulfield. Yeah, so that could have been an interesting take, although it probably would have been absolutely terrible. So after Joe Harris kind of got swept under the rug, Dimension Studios was seriously considering bringing back both Buster Rhymes as Freddy character as well as LL Cool J's Ronnie for a new installment because they have both survived. And technically speaking, these are the last two people to defeat <laughs> Michael Myers in canon. So what would you have what would you say to a a, a Freddy Ronnie Michael Myers reunion?
1: I mean, I like all the characters. So my initial impulse is yes. Big yes. I, I love I really like Ronnie. Like I feel like he's an underappreciated character so in general. I have
0: I, I, I... Could not agree more, I want more Ronnie. Yeah. he wasn't he did, there wasn't enough of him. It was too much of the boring teenager,
1: yeah, and I feel like I want to know more about his writing career. He is clearly <laughs> a romance novelist, and uh maybe he could have transitioned into horror. you know what I mean, which mm-hmm. well, and, yeah. and
0: also both of these fine gentlemen are authors at some point in their canons we 're going to talk about it, but Buster Rhymes' character, Freddie, did come back for Halloween Retribution. And has a a book under his belt with him, which is kind of interesting. So we've got two authors. Maybe they could team up and uh, write something super incredible. I know. (laughs) So in 2003, after the wild, wild West West success of Freddy vs. Jason, this nearly led Dimension Studios to pursuing another monster mashup feature with Michael Myers. Uh, The main one was going to be Pinhead versus Michael. That was really in consideration for a long time. John Carpenter, I believe, was really involved with that one at one point, which is embarrassing for him. And even Leatherface was brought into the conversation for a Michael Myers mashup. Emily, if you had to pit Michael Myers against one of the icons, one of the spooks, who would it be?
1: My impulse was... Michael and Jason, but I think they're too similar and they're too boring. So you have to have somebody that's a little bit more interesting, more personality based. So I understand why they would have picked Pinhead, because I feel like he's the alternate to Freddie in terms of like yeah. having a personality and actually speaking.
0: I I agree. Alright, so between Pinhead and Michael, who's the top?
1: <sighs> Michael's the top, is my opinion.
0: I have to agree i have to agree although i think we may have two verse queens
1: oh yeah i i agree but like you know you know that pinhead wants it oh he
0: wants it but pinhead's down to clown i feel like pinhead's like in is like is like trash queen and will like do anything
1: oh yeah he he's game as hell and he's been waiting around you know he's
0: (laughs) he's yeah he's been around the block michael i feel like is a little bit, a little bit more internalized homophobia. Still a little concerned about what people mm-hmm. may think, but definitely, I think could go either way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Yeah, so we're talking about the drafts that were coming between two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four, and around this time was also the very first instance where the studio was considering bringing back the gr- the classic group of Haddonfield survivors. To pit them up against Michael, which clearly has made its way down the line because that seems to be the plot for Halloween Kills. Kind of interesting, yes. right? Do you feel like they were going back to these uh, these old school treatments when developing Halloween Kills?
1: That's interesting. Um I wonder because I will say like one of the more successful things about Halloween retribution in my mind is is the characters that were brought back. Like I really liked that part mm-hmm. of it and I think that also, I get a sense just even from some of the recent promotions for Halloween Kills that like Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be done with this after this trilogy. I don't mean after this movie, but it's possible she could get killed off in, in this one. But I feel like they are like planting seeds and kind of what they were doing with Halloween Retribution is planting seeds to continue the saga with like characters that we already know.
0: Yeah, like um, Malik, maybe the daughter from the new one
1: yeah yes yes i think that that's something that they want to continue
0: judy greer is dying in halloween kills i'm saying it now this is my bad
1: judy r.i.p judy
0: do you think judy's gonna survive
1: i don't know i don't know i i really have been trying not to read too much about halloween kills because i i want to be surprised i haven't
0: read any spoilers either
1: yeah i'm 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 anxious about it because you know we have um we share a sort of feeling about Halloween 2018, which we won't get into. But mm-hmm. I think I like it can only go up for me.
0: So it should be interesting to see.
1: So the writers
0: at the time who eventually did produce the script for Halloween Retribution, they were British and their names were Jim Keeble and I think it's Duddy Appleton. How would you say that?
1: That's how I would have said it, Duddy Appleton. So, I like the name. It's weird.
0: <laughs> so we had these two writers. They were two British writers. Uh that ended up pa- um okay. The people that ended up writing Halloween Retribution were two British writers uh by the names of Jim Keeble and Duddy Appleton. They were not known for horror. Uh these were two comedy writers. They, I believe they had written a book and uh like an indie comedy film, but the Akads were really believed in them and what they could do. No one knows exactly why this project was canceled. But um, in Taking Shape 2, the book that has a lot of information about cancelled Halloween films, they had an interview in it with Mr. Duddy Appleton, who did uh, disclose that his feelings on the topic were that Dimension Films and the Akkads were kind of in this battle about where to take the Halloween franchise next. The Akkads, I don't believe, were happy with the way that Halloween Resurrection turned out and wanted to freshen the franchise up maybe take it a little bit more serious again make it a little bit more prestige back to its roots and i don't think that's how dimension ever wanted to go with anything yeah i agree yeah in the end the writers for halloween retribution didn't see a penny uh dimension refused to pay them and when they went to their agent and when they went to the writers guild all they were told is unless you can afford to sue dimension films let it go and of course, who can afford to sue Harvey fucking Weinstein, especially in 2002. Mm-hmm. So they were left out to dry, which is really shitty and very indicative of what was going on behind the scenes with the mentioned Films at the time. Uh, it's, yeah. It especially sucks because I really liked the screenplay and we're about to get into our thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I feel like it was actually like shockingly good to me
0: like shockingly good yes yeah uh maybe like and that's been the case with the unproduced halloween scripts that i've read with this series in particular the unproduced halloween four by dennis etchison really interesting and cerebral and this like this was a beautifully written script with 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 layers and motifs and like it was just well written Uh, a big chunk of it like the, the overall sort of setting for this film is halloween in the snow which is really cool. I always love a Snowbound uh, slasher installment. We have an episode on the cancelled Snowbound Candyman from around the same year, which would have been interesting to see. And at the very beginning of this film, they allude to the snow setting by having like a book shred into a little thousand pieces and, and sort of rain down like snowflakes. So there's lots of like allusions and, and foreshadowing in the script that is actually quite elegant. Mm-hmm, um, mm mm-hmm. So before I give a general description on what the script was about, what is our overall takeaway after reading it? How do we feel overall?
1: I kind of feel sad I didn't get to see this. Like, I found reading this script, like, it moved really fast for me. Like, I found that I, like i i felt compelled to keep going and i was like this would have probably translated even better on screen i also feel like it it strikes like a nice balance between some of this like interesting character development and like um you know lore about Mm -hmm. michael myers and the and his family but it also there's some like cool kills and like some like like cool environments that they go into
0: yes yes um So, Emily, would you mind if I did my very best to sort of give a summary synopsis of Halloween Retribution? Yes, please do. Okay, so Halloween Retribution basically opens up with seven-year-old Michael still institutionalized about a year after he murdered his sister Judith. We have a brand new doctor by the name of Doctor Hill, obviously in reference to Deborah Hill, which is all nice and dandy, except for the fact it's a male doctor, which kind of undermines, you know, the the homage. But never mind. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I didn't like that too much. I mean, I love the reference to Deborah Hill because you know we would never be here without her. It would have been nice to give it a, to make it a woman doctor, especially in two thousand and four. Like we could have done that. Yeah. Um. But never mind. So Doctor Hill comes in and meets seven year old Michael who is basically catatonic, unresponsive. The nurse who introduces him says, you know, this is pure evil. I don't know what you're doing here. You're you're disillusioned. There's nothing you can do to help. So he's left alone with little Michael. And for some fucking reason, he (laughs) brings very sharp, like, coloring pencils. And it's like, hello, little murderer. Here's very sharp pencils. Do a drawing. (laughs) Don't stab me. And, of course, he stabs himself and then the doctor. And then the doctor's all freaked out. And Michael doesn't escape. But the mean nurse is like, see, he's terrible. Put him in the cellar. He's definitely evil, but also being terribly mistreated at Smith's Grove Sanitarium. We cut to the day that Halloween 1 takes place, and we see how Michael escapes the sanitarium, and he murders a bunch of orderlies, and it's pretty, pretty intense, lots of carnage. And it does give us some insight how he managed to escape Smith's Grove, although it does not explain how he learned to drive. So, <laughs> yeah. so we cut forward a bunch of years to after the events of Halloween Resurrection, and we meet a whole bunch of brand new teens. And it's Halloween, and of course, some adults really want Halloween canceled. There are harbingers of doom. There are teenagers that just want to have fun. And we meet our new lead by the name of Leah or Leah. and she joins her friends in a great big van to go party at some cabin in the middle of nowhere and she brings along her mute 14-year-old brother Noah cuz he can't she can't just leave him at home and and she is coerced into going now of course things don't go according to plan their van breaks down in the middle of the wilderness and it begins to snowstorm this is not something that happens a lot in Illinois but it can happen which is kind of a cool set up for a Halloween movie. So we have all these kids in the middle of a snowstorm, in the middle of nowhere, trying to find shelter. And the only shelter they manage to find is the abandoned Smith's Grove. They don't know what it is. They manage to get their way inside. They slowly but surely realize, oh, this is like an abandoned mental health facility. That's scary as all hell. And who shows up is Michael Myers. Now, simultaneous to all of this happening, we have Mr. John Tate, this is Josh Hartnett's character from Halloween H2O. He's on this sort of homecoming pilgrimage to figure out where Michael Myers is, to pay respects to his own dead mother. He's sort of going on this journey of the soul, and that is the B-plot to this film. As the teenagers in Smith's Grove uh, you know, find themselves in peril, John Tate somehow figures this out, teams up with uh, Halloween 1 alum Sheriff Brackett, and they make their way to Cove to save this group of teens. Of course, only two of them end up surviving. In the end, John Tate is able to murder Michael Myers, but Michael Myers sort of drags him down into the lake. We don't know who's going to come back alive. It's John Tate, but John Tate now has the mask of Michael, and he's staring at it with real suspicious intensity sort of alluding to that he may now be the darkest devil's eyes the end Mm -hmm. i feel like i did good
1: i liked that ending oh me too Right? Like I number one like that they brought John back because I've always wondered what what happened to him. Yeah,
0: where'd he go? <laughs> I know, I know. And I like how they managed to give him substance over the events of a film that he didn't even show up in. It's very interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super interesting. And I I wonder where they would have taken it after this if if they made this movie. And then of course there was talk of another sequel. Like, would he really have stepped into the mm-hmm. the shoes?
0: And would have fans been hateful about that because people do not like replacing their their slasher icons in the case of Friday the thirteenth, part five. So I did happen to forget about the one of our opening kills with freddie do you do you remember that sequence do you want to walk us through what happened there
1: yeah so as we mentioned a little bit earlier freddie is now an author and mm-hmm. um he and he and john tate actually meet at mm-hmm. a book signing um where freddie's kind of like it really kind of reminded me of scream uh, 3 oh yeah sorry 3 scream three when like uh gail is like doing lectures and and talking about her book and all that stuff um and freddie's kind of like taking it lightheartedly and he's kind of like assumed this like hero sort of narrative um anyways he's kind of an like a bit of an asshole like like a Uh like a charming asshole Uh and so he leaves the signing and he goes like um into the parking lot and he's struggling to get out i guess and then he goes up to the security man and, and of course my. Michael's in it and he basically attacks and kills him in, in this parking lot. Do you
0: remember how right? he kills him?
1: Freddie has like the book, copy of the book, which is called Unmasking the Monster. That's so
0: good. I have to get a copy of that.
1: <laughs> and so he's got it to his chest and like Michael stabs through the book and then eventually stabs through him. But I guess on the book cover is a photo of Freddie uh-huh. uh, himself that like is, gets stabbed through as well.
0: Freddie got stabbered. <laughs>
1: Freddie sure did. It's Freddie versus Michael. We I
0: know, we got it. Oh, It's happening. <laughs> it's all happening. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously Freddie, a.k.a. Buster Rhymes from Halloween Resurrection, is under contract to reappear in this film, at least on a cameo basis, just like Jamie Lee Curtis in Resurrection. And he does not make it very far, which... Yeah. You know, it's very in line with how this, these movies seem to do things. I don't understand why, like, why, why does he survive if you're just going to kill him off? Uh, I don't understand. It's, like, it's very yeah. similar Nightmare on Elm Street 4 vibes. Like, I have all these cool characters that manage to survive. They do not last five minutes.
1: I know it, it It sucks there's always Room for flashbacks and stuff I, There is a book signing mm. scene with Jigsaw himself in one of the later Saws having rewatched all of those Oh my those god re-times. there is
0: tell me more yeah,
1: You have to see it like Jigsaw's wearing Like a ba- like a backwards baseball cap No this-
0: <laughs> Well that's very mask for mask
1: It's it's hilarious So that um, sounds, anyways
0: It's like that Steve Buscemi meme Yeah 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 <laughs>
1: it's exactly like that um, Also like for Having this book also kind of reminded me of Halloween 2, like Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, when yep. there's like Dr. Loomis has a book as well. It's kind of a recurring thing.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> Do you remember the moment that kind of felt like a throwback to Friday the 13th Part 2?
1: Oh, yeah. Do you want to
0: tell us a little bit about that moment?
1: Yeah. so um, Leah or Leah, um, she sort of pretends to be Judith Myers, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not Mm Laurie, right? It's Judith. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so she's pretending to be Judith to try to lure and sort of like trick Michael into um, not killing her not killing her which is kind of funny because you are also like well he he, he did really he <laughs> wanted
0: to kill her yeah but it is yeah. confusing if you killed your sister 40 years ago and now she's like girl i'm stop what are you doing yes yeah.
1: yes like it's basically delaying the inevitable kind of thing um yeah and it it works for a little while um yeah, like, but it's, yeah it does yeah, it's not as successful, I'd say, as Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is. Do you um, think it was a
0: reference or an homage to Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, where where Ginny pretends to be Pamela Voorhees in in the sweater, or is this just too? It's just it's a bit of a rip off.
1: I think it's probably not an homage. Just just knowing now that I've read about the, the writers of this, like I feel like they are not like huge horror heads. So yes. I am assuming that it's not a reference, but I think it's like a happy accident because uh, I, I immediately like thought of Friday the thirteenth part. I two. did
0: too. You know what? Mm-hmm. It may not you're right. It may not have been just a rip off because it's not like this is the most unique idea of all time. Eventually someone else was gonna have the same one. So that could have been it.
1: Yeah, but I think it was effective here. Um, I liked that part. I liked, like I said earlier, I I like some of the kills. Like there was this one. There's always like a sexy kill. Oh, and this there's like one where like there's a girl that's like about to like give a guy a blow job, and then she's like, "I'm gonna get a beer," which is very uh, that is sort of a throwback to the OG.
0: Oh yeah, uh, Halloween.
1: Yeah, and um. And so she goes, and as she's going, like she gets killed by by Michael, and the the guy that she's supposed to be sleeping with has his a blindfold on, so he feels his blood come on him, and then he like licks his lips, Ugh. and he's like, hmm, a brewski or something uh, like that." Yeah, yeah. So he's, but he's he's having blood, and then he gets killed. And there's some there's some fun stuff with like um like an old pool in this. And oh, can you um, remind me of that yeah they just like basically they're all in like the bowels i hate them that oh, i love
0: part. that i love that <laughs> just keeping it in, keeping it
1: in. Uh, they're in the bowels of smith's grove and so there's like different like areas and there was sort of like a like a, a pool or like a water treatment area Oof. um and uh which is kind of is scary um but i liked that and like also part of how michael got out and around and back in the day was through like the tunnels underneath smith's grove which become like a the sort of the setting for the climax of the movie um before the second climax there's like there's a few endings here Mm -hmm. i would say
0: very lord of the rings part three but yeah
1: Yes, yes, but not as long. I don't know. No. Uh, um, but uh, the end end of this movie is like set outside um, in like an icy landscape, which I thought was kind of cool.
0: Very cool. I know we said it, but I don't yeah. think we've driven home enough. The fact that this takes place, you know, in the snow, in the ice, that we've sort of dropped the crunchy brown leaves aesthetic, the the black brown Orange aesthetic of Halloween and have replaced it with like a, you know, a very cold, white, scary, snowbound aesthetic. And it's really cool. It's a very nice direction to see it go in. We've heard about it possibly happening for a many many of the slashers. I talked about Halloween, sorry, we talked about Candyman Part 4, which was going to take place in the snow. And there was an unmade Friday the 13th reboot sequel that was also going to be in the snow. I really want to see these movies.
1: Yeah, and I think like I could just kind of foresee the the poster for um this movie like to to see the white mask of of Michael with the snow. Like I feel like it kind of there there's something there, you know?
0: Yeah, well yeah, 150%. Yeah. Emily,
1: how does this movie end? So basically, um, the end has uh, Leah and her her brother Noah and Sheriff Brackett and John Tate like all sort of trying to defeat Michael mm-hmm. and Michael falls through the ice yeah and he goes under and then but he's of course he's not done yet and he pulls John. Into the ice. Mm -hmm. John does come out again and it's and comes out with Michael's mask. We assume, and I don't think we know for sure that Michael is dead, but like he's presumed to be under the ice, which is like, I mean, it's hard to come back from that, but he was set afire
0: the last movie
1: and he's he was okay.
0: So Freddie died by fire, Jason by water. How do we use that? It's my favorite line, (laughs) favorite line in any horror movie. Uh. Yes, yes,
1: yes. So I, like i you know maybe there was another hole in the the ice somewhere that he could have popped out from who Peek-a-boo. knows pro- yep, yep, <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> pingu um, Yeah, yeah the idea is that he's probably dead it actually kind of reminded me i don't know if you saw the megan fox movie till death no recently. but i saw the poster Yes, and so it has a climax that's also on the ice with people going under and stuff. And I don't know about you, but I find, like, getting trapped under the ice, which plays into one of my favorite movies to die for as well. Hell yeah, um, hell yeah, hell yeah. Getting trapped under the ice is scary.
0: There's nothing scarier, Emily. Yeah, the ice stuff is great. I, I really like it. And I also thought it was really interesting within the writing when John Tate submerges into the really cold black water. And then when he emerges there's he's like evil like something happened to him under the surface and that's really i'm going to use this word again kind of cerebral and interesting
1: yeah yeah like also did like hit like michael myers soul like transfer into his mm-hmm.
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the way it sounded it happened.
1: <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know but also you know something like we've talked a lot about john tate but i i would like to just like circle back to sheriff bracket briefly i think
0: we haven't even touched on that so can you can you give us some information about what's going on here
1: yeah so sheriff bracket if you guys remember he's in the original halloween he was the sheriff and uh his daughter annie died um, and so he also is looking for retribution for what Michael did. And so there's some like really interesting and I would say emotional moments with with Sheriff Brackett where like he sees another like dead teen girl and he's like and John's like, that's not Annie, that's not Annie. Yeah, yeah it's that, it's really sad. Yeah, it's super sad. And then there's another part where Sheriff Brackett tries to shoot Michael uh-huh. and it doesn't like there's no bullets in his gun and i i took down this like description in the script that i like i like it's kind of cheesy but i also like liked it um sheriff Brackett's standing there waiting for michael to finish him off but michael's not interested in him he destroyed him long
0: ago Oh, it makes me sad
1: i know he just is oh, a sad man dad.
0: i hate sad dad what I know I, know, I know.
1: I know, I it, know. It it really kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Yeah. Um me too. but I like I am happy for him in a in the same sense that he did get to see Michael go down in this way. Yes, he you know? did,
0: yes he did. And that mm-hmm. you know what? And that is therapy. You know, <laughs> he's fine now. He's totally yeah. fine. Yeah, these yeah. moments of tragedy that are effective is just like, oh yeah, this is a this is good writing. This is yeah. good. No wonder it didn't get made. You know? yeah <laughs>
1: it's too yeah. good i also wanted to sort of note that something that i liked about this script was like the kids didn't sound too ridiculous like like mm-hmm. they were like there 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 is like there is some some bad dialogue but i've read some other treatments <laughs> where where and i won't i yeah. won't get into yeah. it but i've read some other treatments for like halloween sequels or even just other like slasher possible sequels yeah that like the kids just sound like insane (laughs) yeah like like sex
0: crazed 55 year olds like
1: yeah yeah it's like trying too hard and this one like i'm not saying like it was perfectly written or anything but but i think that it's like a little bit less like obvious and a little bit like the tropes are still there like there's still obviously i said like the somebody gets killed after a sex scene like that's very like tropey hell yeah but i but but i think like i didn't like cringe all the time like i like i could have been cringing
0: more i agree with you I really yeah. like the setting. I really like like a bottled setting. I think that's fun, scary, and simple in a way that I really like. I liked the main teen. I liked Leah and I liked her, her mm-hmm. 14-year-old brother. I mm-hmm. found the rest of the teens to be extremely forgettable in line with the other sequels. And I, in my opinion, that was kind of one of the ways that this script didn't transcend its predecessors. Although it did in many other ways. So I don't want to be a greedy, greedy little man.
1: Yeah, like, I'm not, I, I couldn't tell you the, like, differentiating, like, personality <laughs> traits of the other characters. Yeah, it's for like, sure. if
0: the boys were horny, and, like, the girls yeah. were vacant. I and mean, I even think yeah. one of the female characters was described as vacant, which at least you're being honest with yourself.
1: Yeah, and she was definitely a blonde character, which yeah. I resent,
0: so. Tanya with an O? Is uh, this what? Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Tanya with a yeah. no. Tanya with an O. Who, who do we prefer? Tanya with an O, Tanya with an A?
1: I don't I guess an A. I don't know why. Yep,
0: I'm feeling the A. Sorry, Tanya's with an O. You're out. My favorite callback reference that was mentioned at least three times was quoting Outcast's hit track, Miss Jackson.
1: Okay, but I will say it was
0: misquoted. Oh, tell me more. <laughs>
1: tell me more. Because I think it's like it's hello, Miss Jackson, is what she what the person says. Uh-huh. And it's like, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson is the, oh. the lyric.
0: You know what? There's something like if I was if I was to be quoting a song, I would be misquoting it. So this is just realism. This is naturalism. This is theater of cruelty, honey.
1: I guess. I think I just know <laughs> it so well because... It's my, the best song. Pa- pa- also, Perry is Perry Jackson, oh my, God. my boyfriend.
0: Yeah. Well, so, so you so are Miss I've... Jackson.
1: Yes, or I could be singing it to his mom. Or, uh, or sorry. to him. Yes, I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. I am for real. But yeah, they're, they're like... I would say this, This I expected this movie for no reason other than, you know, it didn't get made. I expected this movie to be much more embarrassing than it was. And Mm -hmm. I, I felt like it was much more substantial. And I could tell that the writers, like... Did really put some thought into this one and to and into making it different. Like we talked, we've talked a ton about the snow, but like you have to kind of respect that they weren't like, we're just going to do the exact same thing as every other Halloween movie.
0: Yes, absolutely. But this did feel like the BBC Halloween <laughs> Did it not? It had BBC. If BBC produced a Halloween sequel, all over it, the Brits—they yeah. just—they—they—they they, they know how to write with a little bit of layer. Yeah,
1: yeah. uh It's like devoid of color, but there's there's so many interesting characters.
0: Yeah, literally that. Literally that. It's just like we've covered it all, big and small. What are our overall thoughts? I feel like I have a sense of it, but let's get it into a, a neat little package.
1: Yeah, I think that Halloween retribution aka halloween retribution 25 years later but it didn't actually get they made didn't make it later. yeah um i think it was like i wish i could have seen it and i don't always <laughs> feel that way when we look at some of these scripts like i i i feel like this this had potential oh, like so and much. and this is this is like an er, like i think if they had a couple more drafts too it would have been even tighter so like mm-hmm. i I, I really feel kind of sad I didn't see this especially because I think it would have been like kind of an interesting like finale to this trilogy that's like H2O mm-hmm. resurrection and then retribution yes. I feel like
0: I love yeah. a mid franchise trilogy yeah Um. what would you say the other mid franchise trilogies are out there in this world
1: not just in Halloween because I, I there guess is one like in it's Halloween play, yeah yeah four or five and six four five um, and six
0: absolutely yes
1: um, and then I guess, would you say like three, four, five? Yep. Five? If
0: you're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, then yes.
1: I was, I was, yeah. Big,
0: big yes, big yes in a Sunday dress. Uh, I don't foresee there being many related Friday the 13th, but maybe i was just not as familiar. Yeah, I, I was thinking about those two examples specifically as a mid-franchise trilogy, and I live yeah. for it. Oh, and obviously we're in the midst of one right now with Halloween. Very excited to see how Halloween Kills turns out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going in with low expectations, which really could bode well for because me. Because last
0: time we had the opposite, which was never, which is always dangerous to do, especially yeah. with the Halloween movie. Come on. Do you think um, uh, Lindsay Wallace is going to be the Drew Barrymore of Halloween Kills?
1: Wow. I kind of love that, and I I think it's very possible because also that the woman who plays Lindsay Wallace is a housewife. She is and so kind so. I of. think that would be kind of like a a move, you know, like a to appeal to a even different audience too.
0: Do you think, given the chance, she would steal the Myers house away from Michael? Well, Maybe you never know. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel the same. It was really good. It was surprisingly nuanced it was layered it was well written there was moments of tragedy it was kind of scary there were a couple funny moments too it was like kind of a perfect sequel it was kind of like a perfect slasher really tragic that dimension were run by a bunch of imbeciles and weren't able to see this for what it was not surprising though Emily are we excited for Halloween kills how do you feel I I already mentioned my feelings
1: yeah yeah I'm 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 excited. I'm like, I'm always excited to have a new Halloween movie and I'll watch them all, even though there are spin ups and downs for me. Yeah. But I think, I think I, I, I just am really drawn to Michael Myers as a character and I'm drawn to Laurie Strode. So I think, you know, I, I have to watch Halloween kills. Like,
0: do we have I just, Peacock in Canada? I feel like, no.
1: We do not. So that is kind of an interesting twist. Both Josh and I live in Canada. We live in Toronto. Hi. Um, and so I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to roll out because it's complicated if we don't have Peacock, like where does it land? And oftentimes as somebody who who does also have a, another job working for like a, a broadcaster, mm-hmm. I know that the rights things are they're well, kind of complicated. Wild, yeah. So
0: I have a feeling that we're not going to have a, a streaming option in Canada. I have a
1: feeling, too. We didn't yeah. get
0: that for Malignant, and uh, we didn't get that for Zola. We, there's a lot of that stuff that we just we're not getting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? There's still time. Like Halloween Kills, what is it coming out on the 15th? Mm-hmm. Between now and then, we're recording this pretty early in the, the month. So I feel like maybe there could be a surprise in our midst. Maybe I Crave think, is working right. on it.
0: Crave, you know? uh, Crave is, always has something up its sleeve. For those who don't know, Crave is kind of like Canada's HBO Max Correct, on, correct. This <laughs> if you're listening, Crave, Emily, where can you be found on the internet?
1: Wow. Um, I've tried to scrub everything of, of me off the internet, but oh. um, I haven't done a good job. Um, I love Carrie (laughs) Dube, I relate Um, but uh, so I am on Twitter at Emily Gagne that's uh, E-M-I-L-Y G-A-G-N-E on Instagram you can find me at Lady Gagne Um, yes you heard that right and (laughs) also as I mentioned earlier um, I have another Instagram profile called Final Girl Fashion that I'd love if you could follow because I feel like this month I'll be posting a bunch of uh, great fashionable horror ladies
0: how could you not it would be an an atrocity if you didn't and yeah. honestly if you have not subscribed to dread central's newsletter the harbinger
1: what are you waiting for huh that's gonna that there's gonna be a uh a, a gif of that in a future issue of the harbinger. <laughs> thank <God>. guarantee <laughs> thank
0: god well i mean i have i have s- squeezed uh, helen shivers into horoscopes and other initiative by dread central so we got to keep the spirit alive
1: and we've got I Know What You Did Last Summer series coming. So yes, we So it's relevant.
0: Yes, we do. And I'm very excited about that. And uh, we're going to be doing some interesting uh, Dread Central content with some of the creators of I Know What You Did Last Summer, the Amazon series. And I cannot wait for everybody to find out more. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Well, that's it, Emily. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming back. You're always a great time. You know your shit when it comes to Halloween. And um, you're my oldest friend. That's all. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.